0: Welcome to the 80's Arcade Podcast. Here's your host, Bob Johnson. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the 80's Arcade Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Johnson. This episode's game is Tetris. I'll be talking mostly about the Atari and Sega arcade versions. I'll leave all the other platforms and origin of the game to other fine podcasts. Tetris is such a well known game that it barely needs any introduction, however I will give it the briefest of descriptions. Tetris is a puzzle game where seven different types of blocks continuously fall from the top of the screen. You must arrange them to make horizontal rows of bricks. Completing any row causes those bricks to disappear and the above rows to fall downwards. The blocks gradually fall faster and the game is over when the screen fills up and blocks can no longer fall from the top of the screen. Let's start with a little technical information. For the Atari version, the main CPU is a MOS Technology M6502 CPU running at 1.789772 MHz. It has two Pokey sound chips running at 1.789772 MHz. Screen orientation is horizontal and the video resolution is 336 by 240 pixels with a screen refresh rate of 57 Hertz. You have two players, an 8-way joystick, and one button. The Atari version's platform did not support sprites. Therefore, the whole game ran in text mode, just as many of the early PC versions of Tetris did. The Sega version runs on multiple platforms. These platforms include the Sega System 16A, the Sega System 16B, the Sega System E, the Taito B System, Taito E System, Taito H System, and finally, the Sega Mega Tech System. Since the Sega version runs on seven different boards, I will only list the main CPU, sound CPU, and the sound chip for each of the ones so as not to make this podcast a podcast just about the boards that the Sega version runs on. For the Sega 16A version, the main CPU is an MC68000 running at 10MHz, the sound CPU is a Z80 running at 4MHz, and the sound chip is a Yamaha YM2151 run running at 4MHz and an NEC mu pd ADPCM PCM decoder. As can be expected, the Sega System 16B runs on similar but not identical hardware. Its main CPU is a Motorola MC68000 running at 10MHz as before. The sound CPU is a Z80 now running at 5MHz. And the sound chips are a Yamaha YM2151 at 4MHz. But now, it also has an nec mu pd 77 59 running at 640 kilohertz. Finally for the last of the Sega systems, the Sega System E, which appears to be more of a budget board, with a main CPU of a Z80B running at 8 megahertz, and the audio doesn't even appear to have any dedicated chips. It's just listed as six tone channels and two noise channels. With the Title system, we also see a similar situation where Two of the systems seem to be the higher end, and the Title E system seems to be the budget board. The Title B system's main CPU is an MC68000 running at 12 MHz, a sound CPU of Z80 running at 4 MHz, and it's listed as a sound chip of either a YM2610, a YM2610B, or a YM2203 depending on the game. But as we'll see with the Title H system in just a minute, it most likely is actually a YM2610 that is used. For the Title H system, its main CPU is also a Motorola MC68000 running at 12MHz. Its sound CPU is a Z80 running at 4MHz and it has listed as a sound chip a Yamaha YM2610 running at 8MHz. We wrap up the title systems with the title E system, again appearing to be a more budget chip, with its main CPU being a Z80 running at 5.369317MHz, a sound chip with two Sega VDP PSGs running at 3.579545MHz, and finally we wrap up the Sega versions with a Sega Mega Tech version, With the main CPU of a Motorola MC68000 running at 7.670442 MHz and two Z80s running at 3.579540 MHz. Its sound chip is a Yamaha YM3438 running at 7.670442 MHz and two SN76489 chips running at 3.579540 megahertz. Release. The Atari version was released in 1988. While the history of Tetris itself could be its own podcast, we have Ed Logg to thank for getting the ball rolling on the Atari arcade version. For just the arcade versions, it started when MirrorSoft president Robert Stein approached Alexei Pahitnov with an offer to distribute Tetris worldwide. Having sort of secured the worldwide rights to license the title, Mirosoft then granted the American rights to Spectrum HoloByte. After Ed saw the game run on an Atari ST, he petitioned Atari Games to license it and approached Stein. With the rights secured, Atari Games produced an arcade version of Tetris. Later, in 1988, Spectrum HoloByte sold the Japanese rights to its computer games and arcade machines to Hank Rogers who was searching for games for the Japanese market. Mirasoft sold its own Japanese rights to Atari Games' subsidiary Tenjin. The latter would then sell the arcade rights to Sega and the console rights to Rogers. While not directly related to the arcade versions, it should be noted at this point that almost a dozen companies believed they held the rights to the game, with Robert Stein retaining rights for home computer versions. Electron or Technica, otherwise known as Lorg, The Soviet Union's central organization for the import and export of computer software was still unaware of the deals Stein had negotiated, which did not bring money to them. Nevertheless, Tetris was a commercial success in North America, Europe, and Asia. The Sega System 16B version was released in December 1988. Tetris was a very popular game in Japan, and Taito partnered with Sega to convert unpopular games such as Master of Weapon, and Rastan Saga 2 on the Title B system to Tetris. It was also released on the System E. Later, Title produced Sega's Tetris on the Title H system for a very limited release. Development inspired by a Pentamino's game he played as a child, Alexey Pahitinov created Tetris on an Electronica 60 and released it on June 6, 1984, while he was working for the Rodnitsin. Computing Center of the Academy of Science of the Soviet Union in Moscow. He derived this name from the Greek numerical prefix tetra, all the game's pieces containing four segments, and tennis, Pahitanov's favorite sport. Due to Soviet political structure at the time, Alexei Pahitanov was not able to patent his game and earned no royalties from the game. This also gave rise to many unofficial Tetris clones for all manner of machines. Marquee. The Atari Marquee is mostly just the artwork from the Atari flyer with one small addition. The artwork starts at the top showing most of the far left and far right towers of Saint Basile's Cathedral and goes down to near the bottom of the cathedral only chopping off maybe the bottom one half to three quarters of an inch of the artwork depicting the cathedral. It also includes the Tetris pieces that are also showing on the flyer. In the dead center of the marquee is the name Tetris in all cap letters with the R being a Cyrillic R, which kind of looks like a backwards English R. I have seen both the name Tetris in white letters and in yellow letters. It appears that the marquee is a cropped version of the side art, only showing one layer of Tetrominos instead of the two that are on the side art. Arcadehistory.com has a picture of what I can only assume is a bootleg marquee. It is a low resolution picture but it has a solid red foreground that is broken up about halfway down into random tetrominos. I use the term tetrominos loosely here as most of the pieces are actually made up of only three squares and not the four that are required to be a tetromino. And while I'm no expert in Tetris, several of the locked pieces look to be made out of five squares. The left side of the marquee has a two-tone cyan drawing of St. Basil's Cathedral with black windows and black stripes on the top domes. It is obvious someone just converted the picture from the Atari artwork to a black and white drawing and then colored it in a two-tone cyan color. It is mostly that CGA light cyan color with highlights of regular cyan. For you old timers like me, that would be color 11 with highlights of color three. The only thing it has going for it, since the background is solid yellow and not a gradient background, The red foreground actually looks like it really is floating above the yellow background. Finally, to top things off, right justified and taking up three quarters of the top half of the marquee is the name Tetris, and like the Atari marquee, it is in all caps and has the R as a Cyrillic R. Unlike the Atari version, the yellow lettering on this marquee exactly matches the rest of the background, perfectly completing the floating red foreground effect. I cannot find any pictures of the 1988 Sega Tetris marquee. For such a popular game, it is odd that I couldn't find any pictures of the marquee. Flyer The flyer for the Atari version appears to be based on a cropped down version of the cabinet side artwork. Thus, the background art for the flyer of the Atari version is a red to yellow orange horizontal gradient with it ending in yellow orange Tetris pieces. It does not have the tetramino border all around the artwork like the arcade cabinet's artwork does. At the top are the words, face the Soviet challenge. Then the next line down is the title, Tetris. Followed by the last line, at last, a unique game theme to bring in new players. In the middle of the flyer is St. Basil's Cathedral with fireworks going off above it. To the left and right of the cathedral are two screenshots from Tetris telling the operator such things as player selectable difficulty levels and developed in the Soviet Union, Tetris breaches the Iron Curtain. Below the cathedral is a stone platform that continues as Tetris pieces fall for a few lines. Laid over the stone tetraminos is some text hyping up why you as the arcade operator should buy Tetris. Below that, you learn that Tetris is also available as a universal kit. The flyer is then kind enough to tell you what you all get in the kit, but I'll leave that surprise for you to look up, listeners. Just check out the Atari Tetris flyer at flyers.arcade-museum.com and search for Tetris. At the bottom is standard copyright information. After being presented with all of this information, we learned that all of it, the red-orange background, St. Basile's Cathedral, the text telling us why Tetris is so awesome, and yes, even the lowly copyright information, all of this is actually floating above a dull gray background, part of which we can see starting with the yellow-orange Tetris pieces. The Sega flyer, with the exception of some very tiny print copied directly from the Atari flyer mentioning Alexei Pahitnov and Vadim Gerasimov, is not Soviet-orientated. The right two-thirds across and three-quarters down is a gray sort of gradient. The word Tetris is an all-cap at the top of the gray rectangle in multiple colored letters. From left to right, the colors are blue, green, orange, purple, black, and finally, green again. Since to my knowledge, Sega released the arcade version of Tetris only in Japan, with the exception of some copyright text and the word Tetris in English, everything else is in Japanese. On the right side is four screenshots, and using Google Translate, I was able to figure out that to the left is text explaining how to play Tetris and why you'd want to buy it, much like the Atari version. There is some writing to the left that is written top to bottom in traditional Japanese style which Google translate, translated as immerse yourself in breaking the limits of your reflective ability. Not sure what Google is thinking there. An interesting thing the flyer notes is as the level changes, the background changes from the earth birth scene to the future city scene. To the left of this, on the left third of the flyer is a 16 piece tall Thin Tetris playfield. Superimposed over the playfield, starting at the top in Japanese is the word system and below that the number 16. Right below that is a short paragraph of text, again on how to play Tetris. Below that is the word Tetris in large red letters turned 90 degrees clockwise. Just below that in top to bottom writing is the word Tetris again, but this time in Japanese. Just to the left of the English word Tetris is some kanji that Google can't translate. Most likely because it's written from top to bottom instead of left to right, which is odd given that earlier, it at least made an attempt at translating top to bottom writing. At the bottom of the flyer is a rock from the first level and behind it is a modernish looking building from what I can only assume is a later level. I must note that my knowledge of Japanese is very limited. and When I say kanji, it might well be Hiragana or Katakana, and I wouldn't know. Characters. Looking at the tetraminos so they are laying horizontally. The game seven Tetrominos are I, also a straight polyomino, four blocks in a straight vertical line. O, also a square polyomino, four blocks in a two by two square. T, also a T polyomino, a row of three blocks with one added below the center. J, a row of three blocks with one added below the right side. L, a row of three blocks with one added below the left side. S, two stacked horizontal dominoes with the top one offset to the right. And finally, Z, two stacked horizontal dominoes with the top one offset to the left. Levels. Atari version. Levels are completed after 10 or more lines are cleared, with the exception of level 1 which requires five lines to be cleared. Watching YouTube gameplay, I can say for sure that level 63 is obtainable, just not by me. You can also start at one of three levels, level 1, 4, or 7. You get a bonus of 0 points, 20,000 points, or 40,000 points respectively. However, there is a catch to get these three points. Level 4 and 7 have garbage blocks. Level 4 has a 1x8 column of blocks on the far left and far right edges of the field. Level 7 has random blocks that are thrown at you from time to time. Sega version Unlike the Atari version, there are only 15 distinct levels in the Sega version. Even then, they are not levels in a conventional sense. The game difficulty continues to ramp up even if you don't clear the screen. There are two ways to increase the level. The first is clear any four lines in any combination. The second is Place the tetromino after the level timer reaches a certain value, which I will tell you about in a minute. The level, however, will not increase if a line clear happens. This appears to be because the level timer is reset after clearing a line. The level timer increases every frame with two exceptions. First, as just mentioned, after a line clear when the level timer is reset and second before level up is shown. The level timer per level are as follows. Level zero, the required time in frames is 3,480, in seconds, 58. Levels one through eight, the number of frames is 2,320 and 38.67 seconds. Levels nine and 10, number of frames is 3,480, number of seconds, 58. In levels 11 through 14, it takes 1,740 frames or 29 seconds, and in level 15 through 99 it takes 3480 frames or 58 seconds. It is interesting to note that the Tetris fandom page states the level timer will increase every 256 frames and does not mention the previous two exceptions. It also mentions the level required time which is the number of 256s that must pass to increase to a new level. Let's compare the previous information to the Tetris fandoms page. The Tetris Phantoms page says Level 0 3584 frames, levels 1 through 8 2304 frames, levels 9 and 10 3584 frames, levels 11 through 14 2304 frames, and finally levels 15 through 99 3584 frames. You can see that while the values are close, they are not exactly the same. In some cases, the number of frames listed by the Tetris fandom site is larger, and in some, it is smaller. For comparison, I'll be stating the difference between the Tetris fandom site versus the other information. For levels 0, 9, 10, and levels 15 through 99, there is a difference of 104 more frames. Levels 1 through 8, there are 16 less frames, and finally, according to Tetris fandom, there are 564 more frames in levels 11 through 14. Compare it to the other information. Scoring, Atari version. The game runs in B type mode in which each level with the exception of level one, is completed after 10 or more lines are cleared. In addition, after each level is completed, bonus points are awarded based on the number of empty rows at the top of the play field. Placing a single tetramino nets from zero to 500 points based on the following equation and variable. Where the variables are D equals 1 for normal gravity or 2 for a soft drop when the tetramino lands, R equals the number of bars on the rainbow meter plus 1 where the number of rainbow meter bars can go from 0 to 9. I figured this value out by watching gameplay. And the final variable is H, the row on which the tetramino is placed minus 1 where 0 equals the bottom. The Tetris fandom website lists the scoring equation as R plus H times R times D, which, unfortunately, with all the variables at their maximum value, would give you 580 points. Whereas the Tetris wiki page lists the equation as the minimum of two numbers between 250 and the equation R plus H times r, that minimum times d, where even with all the variables at their maximum value would give you a max value of 500 since 2 times the minimum of 580 and 250 is 500. There are two terms in the equation that need to be defined. A soft drop is a moving tetris in which a tetramino speeds up its downward motion. As an aside, a hard drop is where the piece lands instantly. As we'll see later, neither the Atari or Sega versions had a hard drop feature. Next to each player's score is a vertical bar called the rainbow meter. Every four lines cleared adds one to the rainbow meter. Once the meter is completely full, it does not reset but stays at the same level. I will say that after watching gameplay on YouTube, I saw one time when player Metal Smasher Gaming went from 12 lines to 16 lines cleared. Using an Tetrimino, and I didn't see a line added to the rainbow meter. I also noticed this when going from 28 to 32 total lines cleared, and several times after that. It could be a glitch in the code, or even my old eyes playing tricks on me, but I did watch it several times to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Check out the video Sunday Long Play Tetris and in parentheses Atari Arcade by YouTuber Metal Smasher Gaming and see what you think. Continuous scoring, completing a single line across gets you 50 points. Completing two lines across gets you 150 points. Three lines across, 400 points, and clearing four lines across gets you 900 points and it's called a tetris. In addition, there are bonus starting level points. Starting at round 4 nets you 20,000 bonus points and starting at round 7 will net you 40,000 bonus points. After finishing each round, the game awards a bonus for low puzzle of up to 2,100 points based on the number of empty rows above the highest block left in the play field. The formula is E plus one in parentheses times E times five, where E is the number of empty rows. I will quickly go through the bonus value for the lines of blocks left on the play field. you have zero lines that is 20 empty rows is 2100 points one line 1900 points two lines 1710 points three lines 1530 points four lines 1360 points five lines 1200 points six lines a thousand and fifty points seven lines 910 points eight lines 780 points nine lines 660 points, halfway point, 10 lines, 550 points, 11 lines, 450 points, 12 lines, 360 points, 13 lines, 280 points, 14 lines, 210 points, 15 lines, 150 points, 16 lines, 100 points, 17 lines, 60 points, 18 lines, 30 points, and if you somehow managed to finish the round, but you have 19 lines, that is to say, no empty rows, you get a whopping 10 points. If you tap the rotate buttons when the guy in the doorway is doing his victory dance, a hook will reach out from the side and drag him away by the neck. If you do it when he is just dropping down to do the Cossack's kicks, he'll dodge the hook the first time, but get caught by it on the return. In a two-player game, finishing the level before the other player gives you a 2000 point bonus. In the Sega version, scoring is based on the level you are on, the number of lines cleared, if any, and any points you get for soft dropping. While I mentioned earlier there are 99 levels to the Sega version, for the purpose of scoring there are only 9 levels. Any levels after 8, levels are coming starting at 0 in the Sega version, are scored the same way as level 8. The scoring for clearing 1 to 4 lines is as follows. Levels 0 and 1, points for 1 line, 100, points for 2 lines, four hundred, three lines, 900 points, 4 lines, 2,000 points, and 1 point per row that a piece is soft dropped down. Levels 2 and 3, points for 1 line, 200, points for 2 lines, 800, points for 3 lines, 1,800, points for 4 lines, 4,000, and 2 points per row that a piece is soft dropped down. Levels 4 and 5, you get 300 points for one line, 1200 points for two lines, 2700 points for three lines, 6000 points for four lines, and three points per row that a piece of soft drop down. Levels 6 and 7, for one line you get 400 points, two lines, 1600 points, three lines, 3600 points, four lines, 8000 points, and four points per row that a piece of soft drop down. Finally, for levels 8 or higher for one line, you get 500 points, 2 lines 2,000 points, 3 lines 4,500 points, and 4 lines 10,000 points. With 5 points per row that a piece is soft drop down. If a line that is cleared is also a perfect clear, a 10time multiplier is applied to the awarded points. A perfect clear is when a player clears the whole playfield without leaving any blocks behind. Strategies and Gameplay Like many things in Tetris, there could probably be an entire podcast on just the strategies and gameplay of Tetris. I've chosen to keep the information to a high-level overview. Much of this information, and so much more, can be found at tetris.fandom.com. All seven tetraminos are capable of single and double line clears, the I, J, and L pieces are able to clear triple lines. Only the I tetromino has the ability to clear 4 lines simultaneously. Completing and clearing 4 rows at once is called a tetris. For both versions, you can only rotate the pieces counterclockwise. There are no hard drops in either version. Atari version. As previously mentioned, the game runs in B type mode. Challenges include various patterns of starting garbage blocks and randomly appearing single blocks in the playfield. The rotation rules are such that for every tetramino, with the exception of the vertical eyepiece, all rotations will touch the left and top of the piece's bounding box. The Atari version contains wall kicks. A wall kick is a sideways movement of a piece when it rotates against the wall of the play field. A wall kick happens when the player rotates a piece and no space exists in the squares where that tetramino would normally occupy after the rotation. To compensate, the game sets a certain number of alternative spaces for the tetramino to look. Wall kicks started appearing in games because after a piece would be backed up against the wall it would awkwardly be unable to rotate until first moving the piece back. In the Atari version, because basic rotation can fail when a piece is against the right wall but not when the same piece is against the left wall, this game will wall kick one square to the left if basic rotation fails. If that fails, the piece will not rotate. This allows for a very few unique wall kicks. Sega version. The Sega version contains no wall kicks. It has a 1G DAS movement of 20 frames, which is a delayed auto shift, which refers to the auto repeat of sideways movement. A lock delay of 30 frames, which is the number of frames a tetramino waits while on the ground before locking, an ARE of 30 frames, which is an appearance delay, which is the period of time between the lockdown of one tetramino and the appearance of the next tetramino, and a line clear delay of 42 frames. Another game mechanic that was first seen in this version is the fact that a piece's rotation and movement is processed before gravity, allowing for synchro moves to be performed at 1G fall speed. A synchro move is when you input both rotation and a move during the same frame. A rule not commonly seen in recent versions is the existence of a ceiling. The field height is fixed at 20 cells, so that any rotation that would exceed that height will fail. As just mentioned, you can rotate pieces both before and after landing. Now it is obvious that you can rotate a piece before it lands. But while most older, what are considered classic games, lock the piece in place once it hits the ground. The Sega arcade version does not. According to the Tetris Fandom Wiki's example, you have at least two rotations before a piece locks, but it really comes down to how many button presses you can get in before the lock delay expires, which in the case of the Sega arcade version seems high to me at 30 frames. A simplified explanation of the Sega rotation is that tetramino starts out centered and can only rotate to the left. I goes in columns three through six counting from the left, O in columns four through five, and the others in columns four through six. Each tetramino is ordinarily spawned flat side up. There is no initial rotation and no wall kicks. As previously mentioned, the ceiling blocks rotation. Apart from I and O, all tetraminals rotate such that the bottom of the tetramino is at the bottom of the piece's bounding box. S and Z rotate between two states, so that the center column stays constant. O does not rotate, and I rotates between two states, such that it either has one blank row above it, or one blank row to the right of it. Power-on Pattern One characteristic of this version of Tetris is the existence of a power-on pattern. This refers to the game's behavior that the order of pieces it deals in the very first game after starting up the system is always the same. This is most probably caused by the state of the randomization seed in the system. After its discovery, players began constructing gameplay plans around the power-on pattern in order to max out the score in the least lines possible. Sega's 1999 version of Tetris, for the arcade and the Dreamcast, pays tribute to the power on pattern by dealing the sequence in the final level of the single player game. For main players, unless you are playing the bootleg, you must delete your NVRAM before playing to get the power on pattern. The B system version has a different power on pattern and does not require you to delete your NVRAM. It even restores the pattern upon reset, which not even the bootleg will do. Start screens, high score screens, and credit screens. Atari version. The start screen on the Atari version is comprised of a bunch of interlocked dark silver and gray tetraminos with a large opening in the middle. Inside this opening is a sight to behold. A blue and red-orange-brown picture of St. Basil's Cathedral on what looks like a platform of tiny bricks. Mind you, this is not just a two-tone color picture. There are several different shades and tints of blue and red. All of this is in front of a bright blue sky with lots of clouds floating. Just hovering in the background, never moving. So suddenly, the skies start to darken, the clouds disappearing into the night, and from this burst, an 8-bit firework show. While simple compared to today's graphics, it still manages to create a sense of awe and wonder. Next is a very short tutorial that by now almost no one needs to watch. It shows some basic moves, rotations, soft drops, and line clearing. The high score screen is identical to the start screen, comprising of a bunch of interlocked silver and gray tetromedos with a large opening in the middle. It is nighttime, and there are fireworks going off in the sky, just like the start screen. About a quarter of the way down and centered in the row, in all caps, are the words "High Scores." with the R being a Cyrillic letter Ya, which looks like a backwards R. The top 16 places, also centered, are shown, and it should be noted that even if you use a R in your three-letter initials, it will also be a Cyrillic letter Ya. Finally then, onward to the credit screen. We can thank the following people for bringing us the Atari Arcade version. Centered on the top row are the words Team Tetris. Project leader, Kelly Turner. Programmers, Norm Avilar, Kelly Turner, Ed Log. Video graphics, Chris Moser. Engineer, Doug Schneider. Technician, Glenn McNamara. Audio, Brad Fuller. Special thanks to John Ray, Jess Melchor, R. Daw, and Lyle Rains. Original concept and design, Alexi Pahitnov. Which is last name is spelled incorrectly. It's spelled P A Z H I T N O V instead of P A J I T N O V. Vadim Garasimov. Below that, the Circle C 1987, Academy Soft L O R G. Below that, Circle C 1988, Atari Games. Finally, below that, licensed by Mirosoft LTD. All letter R's appears as a Cyrillic letter Ya, yeah, except in the copyright notices, and the names Vadim Gerasimov and Lyle Rains. We know who Vadim Gerasimov is, but who is Lyle Rains, and why was he so special? All of this is surrounded by a mostly orange rectangle, composed of weird shaped pieces that really must be seen. The four corners are a single solid red block, with the middle of each side having a single red block in the center of its side, flanked by one orange weird piece on each side, and next to the orange piece is a solid green block. Very strange indeed. For one of the bootleg versions, the one being listed as made by Video Games, we can think a slightly different crew. Project Leader James Bond, Video Graphics Tom Katzen, Engineer Ted Tedious, Technician, Log Dreaming, Audio, Bill Cody. While it is not 100% out of the question that Bill Cody did some modifying of the audio in the bootleg version, I'm pretty sure James Bond was not the project leader of a bootleg version of Tetris, nor was Log Dreaming a technician, and therefore cast some reasonable doubt that any of the people listed in the video games bootleg version did anything and probably don't exist as far as working on this bootleg. Sega Version The start screen for the Sega version starts with a static image. Starting from the bottom, there are five rows of gray bricks that do a pretty good job of looking like stone. Sitting on top of that, in the middle of the row is the name Sega, in the blue Sega color we know so well. The name Sega is encased by a four-high, by 10 wide rectangle of gray bricks. Going up maybe a quarter of the screen higher, we run into an almost billboard-like filled rectangle of gray bricks. If it were a completely filled rectangle, it would be 30 bricks wide by 11 bricks tall. But interestingly, while it's always 30 wide, its height varies from a high of 11 to a low of seven bricks high. Whether the design was intentional or not, it gives it the appearance of an ancient castle wall. And written on this wall in red lettering and in a font that again brings to mind a medieval theme is the word Tetris. All of this is found floating in front of a receding cyan color background which gradually goes from dark cyan to a light cyan. And as a final touch, just to show everyone that this star screen is more than a static image, the cyan background has several 3D chunks either missing or starting to rise up, all in the distinct shapes of Tetris Tetraminos. The Sega version doesn't recognize any of the people involved. It was still not that common in the late 80s from everything I've seen or heard to recognize people involved in game creation. They instead recognize the companies involved. Showing near the middle of the screen, and with three different quick-changing backgrounds, is the following information in five lines. Stating in all capital letters, with the exception of the copyright circle c's first is insert coin how nice of sega to think your personal coin then circle c 1987 academy soft-lorg below that circle c 1988 Tengen. below that licensed by Soft ltd and finally adapted by circle c sega 1988 The three backgrounds that this very important information is delivered to you are in order. A red rock formation situated beneath a bright blue sky. The second scene is a large body of water that I can only surmise is an ocean or a giant-sized puddle. It has a rocky shore and is under a pale blue sky with either a sunset or a sunrise. And finally, we meet a fairly nondescript lizard. Although given the fact that the levels time travel you from the beginning of Earth to the far flung future, it could be a small dinosaur. This lizard appears to be king of all his surveys, which is an oddly blue colored coast of an even darker blue body of water of undetermined origin or nature and all under another bright blue sky. Next is the Sega tutorial. Unlike the Atari version, this one is much longer, really too long in my opinion. I know the monkey has a job to do, but he really takes his own sweet time showing you how to play. He starts out by showing you some basic moves, rotations, soft drops, and line clearing just like the Atari version. He however then continues and continues to show you how good you can be, building up your confidence, until BAM! The pieces just start falling at such a fast pace that the tutorial just ends. The monkey, exhausted from all this excitement, passes out. says game over. Finally we reach the high score screen. Compared to the Atari high score screen, the Sega one is pretty dull. It is a 28 high by 39 wide rectangle of blue tiles with the top row for some reason 40 wide. It should be noted that all the information on the screen is centered left to right. Starting with the third row down is the word ranking. Two rows down we see three column headers name, scores, and lines. Continuing in a two-row-down fashion is the highest default high score, E.M., dot, dot, with a score of 10,032 lines. We follow this down the screen till we finally end up at the 10th highest default score of N.A.K. with 1,000 points and 8 lines. Trivia. It was reported in 2014 that a Tetris movie was in the works. According to reports, Threshold Entertainment had teamed up with the Tetris Company to develop a film adaptation of Tetris. Threshold CEO Larry Kazanoff, producer of the 1995 movie Mortal Kombat, describes the film as an epic sci-fi adventure that will form part of a trilogy. In 2016, sources reported on a press release claiming the film would be shot in China in 2017 with an $80 million budget. However, as of 2017 or later, no source has confirmed the film ever actually went into production. Tetris, however, did appear in the 2010 short animated film Pixels and in the 2015 movie Pixels inspired by the former. Different versions. In addition to the standard three types of cabinet, upright, cocktail, and cabaret, which according to clove.com is a Klax cabaret factory conversion, there are at least the following known different versions. There is an Atari cocktail head-to-head version. It was released in November of 1990, even though the title screen says 1989. According to arcade-history.com, there were only 171 of these produced. You don't play against each other so much as you play two simultaneous games of Tetris. You both get the same tetrominoes in the same order. So it is possible to see more than one piece into the future if your opponent gets a ways ahead of you. But I'm not sure it would do you any good. The screen is split horizontally and vertically, with each player's playing field on the left hand side and their number of lines left, round, and score on the right side. In addition, on the playing field side on the left hand wall is also the number of lines left. The cabinet looks like a standard cocktail cabinet. There is also an Atari side by side cocktail version, while Arcade Dash History also lists 1989. It probably makes more sense that it too was released in or around November of 1990. The only picture I could find is lower resolution but it looks as though both play fields are side by side as would make sense. The cabinet is a little strange. Both players sit side by side like you would for an upright game but due to the smaller size of the monitor it appears as though both players would have to either angle their chairs or turn their heads to see the screen. Either way viewing would be at an angle. Between the two players is a piece of wood in the shape of a wide letter Y. Based on the picture, it appears that between the player's control panel and the top of the wooden Y is between 3 to 6 inches. So not enough to block your opponent from seeing what you're doing, besides the obvious fact that not only can you also see their playfield, but any advantage you might gain from seeing a few pieces into the future would be pretty minimal. The only purpose the Y appears to have is providing a place to mount the coin mechanism. Also pictured on this particular cabinet is what appears to be a light blue button near the top of the coin mechanism. Maybe it was added later as a free play button by a collector. Who knows? The same picture can be found on both clov.com and history-arcade.com's website. The Sega System E version has a few differences from the other Sega versions. Two of them being the playfield background, which in the System E version is futuristic and reminiscent of computer chips. The background is made up of random dark blue PC chip-like objects, many of which have little rows or columns of red lights that fade in and out. The border of the play field is composed of thin pieces of electronic type items. Another difference is the fact that there is no monkey at the end of your game to taunt or encourage you. According to the Cutting Room Floor website, tcrf.net, the sound the monkey plays at the end of the game is still in the code, But it's just never used. It also has the danger music that is also present in the other Sega versions, but it is never played in this version either. Also according to the cutting room floor website and what they just list as the system 16 arcade version, sound code 91 is a short tune of 13 seconds, which is never heard during normal gameplay. Its purpose is unknown, but cutting room speculates that due to its length, it might be for some form of continue screen. They also mention that the fade out is actually part of the track and that it does not loop in game. They do not mention which of the system 16 versions this code is in or if it is in any of the title versions or even the Sega Mega Text System version. Unfortunately, I do not know how to use a hex editor to look at all the different versions code to see if it is in there or not. Perhaps someone who knows how to properly use a hex editor could check and report back to us. Arcadehistory.com lists a Russian arcade version that is emulated in MAME but has no other information about it besides it was released sometime in the 1980s. According to MAME, it was released on the Photon system. While it is listed as an arcade version, truth be told, it looks more like an early PC game to me. However, using Google Translate, the last line on the screen does say something to the effect of lower coin. I was able to figure out through limited play that it doesn't have wall kicks. It does have a soft drop, which subjectively seemed much faster than the Atari version, but not quite as fast as the Sega version. Pressing up rotates the pieces counterclockwise. There are two classes to choose from when you start the game, Class A or Class B. Class B has the standard seven tetraminos. Class A, on the other hand, doesn't have the standard tetramino shapes, but instead appears to be composed of all pentaminos. A pentamino is a polygon made of five equal size squares connected edge to edge. When rotations and reflections are not considered to be distinct shapes, there are 12 different free pentominos. When reflections are considered distinct, there are 18 one-sided pentaminos. I counted 15 different pieces for sure that I saw in my screenshot. I will say, it's possible my count is off by a few since when you look at a screenshot of a full play field of pieces, your eyes can get a little cross eyed and all the pieces may have not been in play. There is an Atari prototype of a bar top version. Unfortunately, it was never released to the public and I was not able to find any pictures of it. Arcade history lists 1989 again as a copyright date. But once again, I think we can probably safely say that had it been publicly released, it probably would have had a late 1990 release date. Finally, there is even a Mickey Mouse version. It's called Magical Tetris Challenge, featuring Mickey. It was made by Capcom in 1998. In it, you play as one of four popular Disney characters, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, or Goofy. You can play against either a computer or another person. Not only do the original seven Tetris blocks appear, but many bonus blocks also appear as well in a variety of shapes and sizes. Another feature is the shadow mode, where you can see where your block will fall before it reaches the bottom. This makes it easier for children to play. The game was not released in the US, but it uses a combination of Japanese and English text. The split between Japanese and English is interesting in that most of the gameplay text is in English, but during cutscenes, all of the characters' on-screen text speaking is in Japanese. These are just a few of the many versions of Tetris. While I was only able to find 11 arcade versions, according to the Tetris wiki, the number of official versions on all platforms is a little over 200. I lost an exact count and after trying to count three times, I gave up on an exact count. It is perhaps in the thousands when you include official and unofficial versions for the multitude of consoles, computers, and just about any other electronic devices, including an HP 54602B oscilloscope. World Records You would think that with the many versions of the arcade version of Tetris, that there would be official world records for each of the Atari and multiple Sega versions. You, however, would be wrong. Neither arcade nor Twin Galaxies has any records for any of the Sega versions, however, both have records for the Atari version. Twin Galaxies has scores for both MAME and the actual arcade cabinet. Settings for both sites are the same, with difficulty set to medium and you can freely choose your starting level. As with any time you want to submit a score to either site, please check the exact settings as there are a few non-game affecting settings that are also tracked and would need to be set correctly in order for your score to be accepted. Starting with MAME, Twin Galaxies lists the world record as 4,021,471 points, performed by Harry Hong on June 23, 2009. Moving over to the arcade cab, Twin Galaxies' world record is 2,072,133 points, Performed by Jeff Craigie on March 24, 2012. Arcade has the world record on an actual arcade cab as 1,750,644 points by Jimmy Linderman, played at Richie Knuckles Arcade on December 12, 2010, during the first ever Richie Knuckles Arcade Marathon. Competitive Tournaments As always, the MGL or MAME Gaming League run by Paul Hornitsky, is in full swing. If you have never played in this before, now is the good a time as any to start. Gamers of all levels and skills are welcome. Go to AussieArcade.com and look for the MGL header, or go to Twingalaxy.com and search for MGL or MAME Gaming League. I'd like to give a shout out to my wife, Dr. Jennifer Ann Morrow, who suggested Tetris for this episode. Did I miss something important or get a fact wrong? Let me know. All feedback is appreciated. As some of you may have heard, I am looking for your arcade memories to use in a future episode just on arcade memories. You can get them to me in multiple ways. Record a memory, or more if you're so inclined, or type them out for me to read and send them to 80sArcadePodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or message me through Facebook or DM me through Twitter. Until next episode, this is Bob Johnson saying... Always have a quarter ready. You never know where you'll find the next game. Thank you for listening to the 80s Arcade Podcast. We want to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter at 80s Arcade Pod, on Facebook at 80s Arcade Podcast, and on the web at 80sArcadePodcast.com.